But what we're missing as adults um, as we grow older is this um, ability to be playful and real and human. And how do we engage? And how do we really connect and build rapport? So when we're spontaneous and we create a book of play versus a playbook, we're just adding to the process. I know how to, I know how to do a transaction, but we need to get away from transactional sales and create sales where people feel like they know, like, and trust us. And to do that, you have to be human. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, I've got Gina Tremarco with us, and she's going to be talking about sales improv, how to get past the sales script. Gina, welcome to Outside Sales Talk. Thanks, Steve. It's awesome to be here with you. So let's, uh, I guess by way of introduction, um, Gina is the founder of Pivot 10 Results and the Carolina Improv Company. Gina is also a sales and improv coach and the host of two sales podcasts. First, the Pivotal Leader Podcast, and then also the women I want the, <laughs> the women your mother warned you about podcast, uh-huh. <laughs> which has got to be maybe the catchiest podcast name ever. The women, the women your mother warned you about. That's it's a mouthful. It's a mouthful, but it's also a very catchy name. I mean, that's you know, uh-huh. it's it's about as intriguing as you can get. I mean, I feel so boring with mine. It's like, hi, I'm Steve. I, I, I run the Outside Sales Talk podcast. We're here to talk about outside sales. I mean, how lame does that sound compared to the women your mother warned you about? Hey, in sales, it's all about differentiating yourself from everybody else. I'll tell you, well, you, you certainly did it there. Um, you're more creative than I am. I'm my 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 naming of things is like the most boring thing ever. It's like I, I I'm always like we should just describe that which we do. So like you know, Badger the maps had to be in the with the with the uh, with with Badger. You know, it's like Badger maps because you know we're mapping stuff. So people will remember if we say Badger maps like and we like Badgers. <laughs> yeah, outside sales talk. It's because we're talking about outside sales like. <laughs> Well, you're better at this than I am. Um, <laughs> uh, let, so let's jump into some questions. So you're sure. an expert in spontaneous selling or sales improv. Can you explain to our audience of outside salespeople what this is and how it can help them? So spontaneous selling is what we call our, our, our sales training for at Pivot 10 Results in Carolina Improv. We, we branded it that way because it's about being in the moment in the sale and being organic. So it's about getting back to the innate abilities that you have as a human to sell, being in the moment, listening, all the soft skills that you already have, and improvising through it. All right. Um, and how, how does that help? A salesperson so there's a you know there's a process right there's a playbook most sales organizations most companies have a playbook this is how we sell we're gonna do this this and this and the process becomes such a process and here's what we like to say is that our buyers don't want to be processed by tools so don't be a tool so 
like it. <laughs> Don't, so you need the playbook, right? And that's kind of a, that's a given, that's a no brainer. But what we're missing as adults, um, as we grow older is this um, ability to be playful and real and human and how do we engage and how do we really connect and build rapport? So when we're spontaneous and we create a book of play versus a playbook, we're just adding to the process. I know how to, I know how to do a transaction, but we need to get away from transactional sales and create sales where people feel like they know, like, and trust us. And to do that, you have to be human. Makes a ton of sense. How did you get Oh, you know, and it, it does make a ton of, it makes a ton of sense. And I'm kind of heated about it because I gave a presentation re recently where a group of CEOs um, gave some feedback and they said, oh, your presentation was really basic. And I said, well, right. I told you we were going back to the basics. We're going back to the basics of being human again that you guys have forgotten how to do. And this isn't just about selling to our buyers. It's also about selling to anybody that we need to get buy-in from. That could be employees as well. How do we engage the people that we need to persuade into what we're trying to, what we're trying to get done? And how did you get started in spontaneous selling? So I'm going to try to give you the quick story because you know I like to tell a story. I started Carolina Improv Company about 10 years ago in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I'm from Chicago originally. And I started it as a fluke because it just, I needed a dose of improv. When you grow up in Chicago, you have improv. You know, there's a lot of improv mm -hmm. in the area um, on, the, on the West Coast. And I did it as sort of a, a hobby and it quickly turned into a business. People started taking our classes and signing up. And the, the thing that I noticed in the class process is that a lot of people taking our classes were salespeople. Specifically in our market in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, they were signing up, they were timeshare people. Timeshare salespeople were signing up for these sales classes, for improv classes, and they would come back to me and they'd say, I'm making so much more money now. Uh, it's so much easier. I feel more comfortable connecting to, to our buyers and it's all because of improv. It's all, and that came back over and over again. And while we were already using improv as a tool in training, like in leadership and collaboration and customer service, we really didn't look at it from a sales perspective. And the more feedback we got that people were making more money because of improv classes, we started to pivot and we pivoted our training division into creating the Pivot 10 brand and started really focusing on sales training using improv. And, and that's really how we got into it. Well, I, I, and you know, in, in full transparency, I, I, I'm a huge fan of this concept. I've taken a couple uh, improv classes and I definitely see the, the value of, of uh, just being creative and spontaneous and in the moment and being more comfortable riffing on things in, in a sales role. I and mean, even just going to see, I remember, I, remember, I went and saw a sale, uh, an improv show. There's this place up in Northern San Francisco that does this and uh, whatever that park is up there. Um, and uh, they, and just after like watching it for an hour and a half, I like, I remember like the group came out and we were like all hanging out, out, you know, in the, out in front of this place, a big like federal type building. And like, we were all hanging out and just chit chatting about, you know, just chit chatting with each other, but everyone was like quick and spontaneous and like just wa watching it and kind of being around and being just the, it had like rubbed off on us in, a, in an hour and a half. And it, yeah, uh, I, I think it's powerful stuff. 
And that's one of the things for people who take, like our, we have a six week class, we have uh, five levels of classes. So anybody can sign up for that class. That's not a corporate training kind of thing. And what we do is we encourage them they take classes, but we really push them to see shows because then they can really see the power of how they can apply it and why are performers so good at it? Because a lot of times I'll hear, oh, I can never do that. I can never get on stage like you guys do and perform, I can never do that. And I always say, not true. Everybody can do it because they have the innate abilities to do it. It just requires practice. And it sounds crazy, but as adults, if we would spend more time practicing being playful, we wouldn't fear objections or rejections. We wouldn't, we wouldn't doubt ourselves. We wouldn't get stuck in our heads. We would just kind of go with the flow, but it requires a practice because you're retraining your brain. You're exercising your brain to do those things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, I actually, uh, I I grew up in the house next to the, uh, the overlord of, of uh, improv, Bill Murray. He he grew up oh, in the, yeah. he grew up in the house next to me in uh, in Illinois. Oh yeah, I always forget that we're both from Chicago. Yeah, yeah. I, I've met him a couple of times. My dog licked his face once. He was like, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so so a- active listening and just being great at listening is so important in in sales. It's maybe being a great listener and knowing what questions to ask are maybe the most important skills in sales. I, I, right. right. What role does active listening play in sales improv and how does sales improv develop your active listening skills? You know, I would say that if there's anything that you're going to really take away from improv is the active listening piece. We can't, we can't do a show well and entertain an audience if we're not listening to the audience and we're not listening to their suggestions and if we're not listening to the players that we're playing with on stage. So improv, there are so many exercises that train us in active listening and truly being in the moment. And when we really pay attention and listen, we're going to hear things that we may not have heard, right? Just in a, in a sales situation, you go in with your agenda for the buyer and you think you have the solution for them and that's what you're going in to sell. And if you don't pay attention and listen to what they're saying, and a lot of times what they're saying are fears that they have, you, you miss it. You miss the boat and you miss the connection. If you really want to create connection, listening makes people feel special. Just think about any time anyone listens to you and they might actually repeat back what they, something they heard you say, but they don't repeat it back for maybe 10, 15 minutes and they bring something back up that you mentioned and they use your name because they remembered your name. That has this visceral reaction for yourself of, oh my gosh, they heard me. <laughs> they were listening to me. Wow, they're cool. There was a meme circulating a while ago and it's, uh, it's like a little cartoon of two people and one of them was doing all the talking and one of them was listening. That was frame number one. Frame number two, you see that the person who is listening has left the frame and the person who is doing all the talking says, wow, she was the nicest person. (laughs) Right? And the listener wasn't even talking. Like, how do you know? But (laughs) But that's the reality because when people listen to us, we feel like they care about us and everybody wants to be cared about. I don't, I don't care what anyone says. We all want to be cared about. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. So that's what listening, that's what the act of listening does for you. And it gives you an opportunity to really hear what the customer needs are or what the problems are, what the fears are, and then you can address it from there. And how do you prepare for a sales meeting when with uh, utilizing sales improv in mind? Well, I, and it's not just about the improv. I think we have to look at this as a combined situation. Uh, for me, I believe in preparation. So I do a lot of homework and research on the prospect, on the buyer before I even meet with them. So I wanna learn as much as I can. And then I go into that meeting or that call and I try to create rapport and connection and really hear them and listen to them. And the research that I've done in the preparation, I can actually call things out, right? I could say, oh, I saw that last year you guys just launched XYZ, right? And that makes them feel like, oh, she did her homework. So to me, preparation ahead of time, then you get into that space where you're having a, a, a conversation with them, that listening to them and any pushback they might have, how you respond to the pushback um, and to the objections is gonna make all the difference because they're gonna be looking at you on how you reacted to the pushback because the objection is is the problem that you're helping them get past and so if you can do that without getting flustered and really being in control of your emotions and not being the know-it-all salesperson just being in the moment ready for they're going to throw something at me that i don't know what to do with i have an agenda but i'm going to have to go off my script and being in that mental mindset of walking into the into the process process that way is going to make you better. Is that one of the keys to sales improv? Why it's so helpful for salespeople is that it just helps them be comfortable with any curveball. Not necessarily like, you know, I, I've taught classes on how to handle objections, but not necessarily an objection, but just like all the little random curveballs and things that come up. Is that is that what the what you would say the thrust of the value is just getting comfortable in that in, in with those different situations. Yeah, one of the one of the things that we really stress. Like we have a couple key points, and this is something that I'm happy to share with your listeners. I've created something called the Book of Play. It's just a little ebook that kind of um, breaks down how improv relates to sales. Um, some of the things that we really focus on are embracing failure, like not just embrace it, like look for it, know that it's coming and don't get worked up about it. As, as a matter of fact, like I want the objection because to me it becomes, like, if you're a salesperson, you're, you have an adrenaline rush over like winning, right? Like that's me. I wanna get that objection so that I can find a solution for it. So we know we're gonna get it. And so improv prepares us to potentially fail. When we get on stage and perform based on an audience suggestion, we might not even understand the audience suggestion. And I, I will call myself out, I got a suggestion once of hydroponics. 
And explain explain what you're talking about uh, for someone who's never seen sure. an improv show. What do you mean by the audience helps you, um, gives you an, a, a suggestion? What does that mean? So when we improvise a show, right, it's not scripted. Well, there's a structure to it. We have certain games um, that have structure and how we're going to play a game. And so we may ask the audience uh, and and everyone's different on how they do this. You know, you might go to a show where someone says, I need a suggestion of a, a place and people will yell out a place. And then you take that place and you use that suggestion of that place to create a scene. So someone might say Starbucks and then you see two people being baristas making coffee together and you see where it goes from there based on that suggestion. Sometimes we get really stupid suggestions and think about that from a sales perspective. You get an objection that seems stupid in your mind, but in the audience's mind, it's not stupid. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we've, we really stress on our performers, especially in a tourist market where we are, we get the suggestion of go to the beach and drink all day long. <laughs> performers get so tired of having to perform and improvise and make something up based on drinking at the beach because <laughs> heard it over and over and over. I'm like, oh great, another scene about drinking at the beach. And the reality is for that audience, it's the first time they're suggesting it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the hundredth time we've heard it. Interesting. It's always funny to me how, how people follow patterns that are predictable and kind of they're the things that comes to come to one person's mind is the same that comes to another. We, we think we're all so special and unique, but really we're, we're kind of yeah. all pr- cut from the same cloth. Yeah. And, and along those, those lines on, so our job as performers is to guide the audience. So think about this from a selling perspective. Your job as a salesperson is to guide your buyer and help them along the way. So we know that suggesting drinking at the beach is probably not gonna be that entertaining. We're pretty sure of it. So we might get more specific in Shark. our- Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that one comes up a lot. We'll get more specific in what we call the ask, which a lot of the terms that we use in improv are very similar to sales, right? Like when we initiate a scene on a stage, it's called making an offer. When someone negates what we've suggested, we call it a block. We've been blocked. So we're going to try to guide. We're going to try to guide the audience. Specifically, the once in a while that I'm in a show, if I'm hosting that show, I won't say, hey, I need a suggestion of a place. I will go up to a person in the audience and say, you, sir, where, where, where are you from? And I'll get very specific and custom and make it about him. Oh, I'm from San Francisco. Oh, what do you do for fun in San Francisco? Right? And then they're going to give me something more specific. Now we have something more specific, something more interesting, and then we can create something more interesting. So you as the seller, what are you doing to get more specific with the buyer? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's what improv trains us to do. I think the confidence is really important too. Like, I feel like if you're comfortable stand, like 
most people are terrified of standing in front of groups of people talking salespeople on the balance far less so than average, but still going they're They're often well prepped before they step on stage to have the confidence to be in, to be a, to do improv and get up in front of the group and, and act something out that is on the spot and just being, you know, Oh, I'd like you to, uh, act out a scene in a ice cream shop in San Francisco. And, uh, and by the way, you are a magician. <laughs> like, to, the, 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 confidence, the confidence and ability to take that set of information and, and, and then with another person, put together a, a scene that's intriguing uh-huh. or funny or entertaining to, to a large group of people, that, that takes incredible confidence. And I, and, and I think that, that's maybe a reason too why sales improv is so great or improv is so great for salespeople is because it builds that confidence. If you, if you can hit that curveball, I mean, you can hit anything, right? Yeah. And, and think about taking it into an organization on a bigger scale and you introduce improv into your organization on a bigger scale. What we do when we're teaching improv classes is first we start out by creating a safe space. What does that mean? We create a space where, hey, you're all in this together. You're, you're not comfortable doing a scene about it being in an ice cream shop in San Francisco. Guess what? He looks just as silly next to you doing it. And we create this safe space that we're all in it together and we all may fail together and we might all win together, but we celebrate the failure and we celebrate the success together. So if you bring it into an organization and you create that kind of culture, then that's gonna create more confident salespeople. Now, let's say your company's not going to make that investment. How do you do that as an individual? Uh, you want to, you can improve that by taking improv classes or doing something where you're continuously building your confidence so that when you're working with buyers, you're in a confident place. That's going to make them more confident to work with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and how about... Uh dealing with uncomfortable situations like awkward silences, et cetera. How does, how does, can improv help, help with that? Can it help with uh, kind of smoothing over a sales situation? Yes. My, um, that's my favorite. The silence is my favorite. Here's the thing with silence. Money is made in the silence. This, I'm not, it's not something I've made up. Um, it, many people have said that, you know, you can be the one who, you make the offer and then you back up and you don't say another word when you're making a, a pitch. And, you know, there's been a lot of different ways of saying this. The first person who talks loses. The point is the silence gives the buyer an opportunity to process. If you keep talking after you've made your pitch, you're creating more confusion and more chaos in the buyer's mind. Mm-hmm. If you can just accept the fact that it's actually okay to be quiet, knowing that the buyer is just as uncomfortable as you are in the silence, that gives me some level of comfort. I'm like, I'm not alone in this awkward moment. They're in it too. And they're feeling even more uncomfortable because think about as a, as a buyer, I mean, buying and selling are both emotional. If I don't sell, I don't eat. And if I buy the wrong thing, I could lose my job. Mm -hmm. So it's emotional on both sides. So know that and be okay with, with the discomfort of it. When we are performers on stage, 
and we get a suggestion that we have no idea what the audience is talking about and I get on stage let's say you and I get on stage together and we get this suggestion and we don't even know how to initiate a scene and we just stare at each other and this happens a lot where we stare at our partner our scene partner and we have like a internal conversation with our eyeballs and the conversation internally sounds like this and we can almost hear it even though it's silent I look at you and my eyes say I've got nothing do you have something because I have no idea what to do with this and we have this quiet conversation internally and while that's happening the audience becomes mesmerized with us because we're not speaking and the audience ends up physically leaning in because they want to make sure that they didn't miss something so the silence actually creates more attention to you who who is the silent one uh, I do a lot of presenting and speaking and sometimes I might be in a group of 100 or 200 people and I've given them an exercise and they're doing the exercise and they're all excited and they're making noise and I need them to wrap it up and I might say over the microphone wrap it up and they're not paying attention to me and then I go silent and I stand there on stage and I just stand there and one by one you see people hitting each other in the arm and pointing at me and they all slowly start to turn and look at the stage and then all of a sudden the room is silent so silence gets attention mm -hmm. absolutely well and, and there are times when you ask for something or when you just made a, a, a point that really needs to sink in or you've you've pitched an idea or a concept and they're digesting it and you just need to, as a salesperson, sit there and shut up and let them process, think about it, respond to it, react to it. If you've hit the ball over the court and, and you, you sometimes have to, on their side of the court, you have to wait for them to hit it back. Yeah. Um, and just, and, and if, and, and just give, it, give it time to think about it until, they're, until they acknowledge it and say yes or no or wait yeah. or, oh, well, what about, you know, what, what, whatever their response is going to be, you have to wait for their response sometimes. Right. And, and people have asked me, well, what do I do, Gino, when we're both standing there and no one's speaking? What do we do? And so, and I've been in that situation many times where I've done the, I'm going to be silent and wait for them to speak. And then now we're at an impasse. We're just having a stare off. If we're face to face or, or a silent off over the phone. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I go in and go, what are you thinking right now? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, and I'll say, I'll say, Hey, whatever is on your mind, you can share it with me. Um, I sense that maybe, you have some concerns or some trepidations over this. Like, what are, what are you like, let's talk about it. And when I put it out there in that way, then they, they're honest with you. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how to sell this to my boss. Like the price is too high. How do I sell this? And then you hear the, and then you can really kind of analyze, you can analyze the fear that they're having. Okay, so you have to sell this to your boss. And you know that that means they're concerned that making the wrong decision could create problems for them in their job. Absolutely. And, and it gives you that opportunity to hear the objection so that you can either overcome it or seek a solution. Like if, if it's convincing the boss, then 
well, does, what does your boss care about? Is it the, is it proving to him that benefits going to be there? Is it, is it proving that the, that this will pay itself back over X amount of time? Is it proving it, proving that it will actually work? What is the reason? Yeah. Is it the, is it the, a fit, a functionality issue or a finance issue? You know, what is, what is this objection? Yeah. Figuring, dig, digging yeah. that up. Our number uh, one, one of our number one rule, at least for us at Carolina Improv is make your partner look good. Right. And this is an improv rule. Everybody has this rule. We really stress it. It's one of our core values internally, but also with our customers. If we make our customers look good and we put them at the forefront and we really take into consideration what is best for them and making them look good, that's, that's how we get the win. That's how we close the deal is about what do I need to do to make this client an all-star um, in front of his, his employees or in front of her boss. How do we, how do we make them look amazing? Uh, that's, that's, uh, if you can make your customer a hero or the, the decision maker a hero, they, yeah. they are very likely to, uh, to be your best friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and the converse of that, if you, I mean, you, you know, if you if, if you sell someone something that doesn't work, you, you can cost them their job. So you can be their worst enemy. So you better, you got to do a good, that's all, all the more reason that you have to do a great job, right? Yeah. I had a client once who, um, in the pro in the buying process before we really closed the deal, wanted to see our training live in action. And it was really kind of impossible because any trainings we had were with other clients. So we couldn't really bring them into an existing situation. And I had shared videos of our work with them and it was a little frustrating. And then I realized that because they were trying to sell it up to their bosses, they, they, they needed everything possible to have in their back pocket to be like, Hey, we fully vetted this company. Mm -hmm. So the only, I had to really put myself in their shoes and understand that and find another solution. And the, the solution was I can give you a list of clients to talk to. Would, would that help? And that was, that's how we closed the deal was giving them a list of people to talk to. And they were able to call those clients, have conversations, uh, and, and then ultimately close the deal. Right. Because there was some issue behind the issue where they were at their core, they didn't believe it would really help, but to talk to people that it did really help, did something for them. Or uh, Right. And, and this client in particular, and I think a lot of, I think a lot of salespeople may deal with this. This client in particular, they had never brought in an outside trainer. So they never brought in an outside training company. So when you're buying something for the first time as a buyer, you have a lot of people to convince. It's not like we're getting a new copier, right? Because we've, we've, we've leased copiers now 10 times. They, they understand the process. But when, when buyers are buying something for the first time, the education process is a little bit longer and building trust takes longer. Mm -hmm. um, how do you overcome the fear of going off script? Practice, 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 practice. So I, I feel like that's a key thing that holds people back when, when you talk yeah. about this type of thing. Like, there's just you know, in their gut, they're like, ah, the, the script is a is a is a magic feather. The movie Dumbo's, uh, <laughs> they uh, <laughs> the script is a magic feather, and they hold on to. How do you how do you get them over that? Um, first of all, reminding reminding salespeople that. 
buyers can see a script coming, right? We can feel the script. I mean, I've literally called people out over the phone who, who cold call me and I said, stop, you're reading a script right now? Right, and I totally throw them off their game. I'm like, talk to me as a human, get off your script, ask me how the weather is, ask me where I live, Mm -hmm. Ask me something about me, connect with me, build rapport. So know that the people that you're pushing your script in front of, in today's day and age, we don't need as many salespeople. We can go online and research you. I can find your script. I don't need your script. So be comfortable. You need the script because you need the process. You need the playbook. And then be okay with you're going to go off the script. And the best way to do that is to fail several times and the best way to fail is to practice that but again that's why improv classes or improv training is so great because we are working out your brain to fail constantly like we're asking you to get up in front of people and do something uncomfortable improv exercise wise and you you're going to feel like you fail even though you're not failing because we're human and we always feel like we haven't done something good enough and we're trying to prove ourselves in front of people here's the other thing I tell people um no one is really paying attention to you because they're worried about themselves if that makes sense so when you're afraid that you're failing people are more concerned about themselves failing they're more concerned about if I buy what you're selling I'm going to fail so they're actually not paying attention to did you get something wrong on your script so I think it, to answer your question it's really a combination of mindset practicing failing and remembering that people can smell your script. They can literally smell you coming. If you're a trainer or a leader of salespeople, how can you make your training and coaching more improv focused? How can you incorporate improv? Well, you, you have to be intentional about wanting to do it. And so there are, there are companies like ours that you can find that can come in and do that for you. Um, and, and you have to be open to that. And you also, as the leader, have to be, you have to get the buy-in from your team. And the only way to get the buy-in from your team to do that is to show them, hey, this is going to be cool. I know it's going to be uncomfortable, but let's do it. One of the things that we constantly have to overcome is, um, when a when a prospective client says, "Well, I, I ran this by our employees, and they were all, they were all freaked out, and they don't want to do it." I'm like, "Well, how did you sell it to them? Like, help me, help you. You have to you have to get behind it and see the value in it, and then want to bring that in, and then have consistency with it." You can't just say, I'm going to bring this company in for three hours and do this improv sales training course and then never do it again. Or, I mean, you could, you could do that, but you have to consistently continue to practice that and incorporate it into your training. You should be doing it on a daily or a weekly basis. You could do it in 10 minutes, take one improv exercise and, and run it with the group just to get them thinking on their feet really fast. So intention and, and really planning for it would be the way to do it. And if you, if you manage a team of, of field salespeople, 
what are some improv exercises that you can do with your team to get them ready for more spontaneous selling? There's so many improv games that you can play with them. And again, for your listeners, um, when we're done, I'll tell you how they can get a I'll give you guys like a book of play of several exercises to play with. Okay. Um, one of, you know, yes and is the foundation of improv. Um, that a literal yes and exercise, which yes and is the opposite of yes but, right? Yes but kind of shuts everything down. A literal yes and exercise where we're literally in pairs, practicing listening to each other, repeating what we heard our partner say, and then adding our two cents to it for our partner to listen to and to repeat so that we can heighten something or build something together. Um, something that I love to do a lot and I'm kind of on tour right now as we're recording where I'm doing some training um, in the Dallas area. Uh, I do a sound ball game. I often call it let's play ball and we throw an invisible ball around the room and we make noises every time we throw that ball and it sounds really basic and it is but I'll tell you what people go through psychologically when we talk about throwing that ball around and the difficulties they had with being playful and childlike of, of throwing an invisible ball and making a noise, the things that you hear, for instance, was really a challenge coming up with a sound. <laughs> really? <laughs> but, and, and, and it's not to take away from them, that is a reality is that we, we start to judge everything that we do and it's as simple as just be in the moment and make a sound that's all you have to do is be present pay attention to everybody else throw that invisible ball around make a noise be ready for it to come to you throw the ball again um, we do storytelling exercises where together you tell a story and someone throws in a random word your partner throws in a random word to change your story as you're telling it and then you switch and the other person tells the story while the other person throws random words because your script is never gonna be exactly the same because of the buyer, because of who you are as a person. So you have to be able to be ready to run with it. And those exercises are going to really exercise and strengthen your brain to get better at being in the moment, being really fast, being creative. And that all stems back to, are you actively listening to what people are saying so that you can respond to it and solve problems? Such a cool exercise. I've done that one before. The yes and that's it. It's a very it's a very key skill for salespeople. I've taught I've I've caught salespeople on my team say doing that. Just like you get in a pattern of being, you know, kind of. Oh, it's almost like being disagreeable when you could have just you know they they said something that you you could have just agreed with and kept going. Just keep plowing forward. Like even if it's not perfect, it's not actually going to get in the way or not here. So just. You know, let them think that part and keep going. Like, like yeah. yes, that's total. That's that's a great point. And also, <laughs> like, like, right, like, don't be disagreeable. Just keep going. Right, right, right. And it's it's as simple as take as replacing the butt with an and. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are more expensive than you expected, and here's the value you get. Mm-hmm. Versus, yes, we're more expensive, but you really need us. Right. Right. It's just really changing the the context of it. Mm-hmm. to be favorable and to feel approachable. Well, the next section is uh, sales in 60 seconds. I'll ask you a series of short questions um, and hopefully uh, you'll get a, a short answer back in 60 seconds. <laughs> hopefully I'll have answers. <laughs> there you go. 
So, uh, so what's one common mistake that sales reps should avoid when using sales improv? Making it about them. Don't make it about you and your agenda and what you're trying to sell. Make it about the customer. Okay. And what are the cornerstones of a successful sales pitch? Well, I think I've mentioned this before, preparation. I think when you prepare, you really know the client. The worst thing you can do is go in into a conversation and you haven't thoroughly done your research to understand them. So do your preparation, really listen to their concerns, their needs, their fears, engage them in conversation before you start asking them a bunch of questions. So ask the right questions at the right times. Be in the moment, be really with them, don't be distracted, don't let your phone be near you to distract you. Um, even your watch, some people with these watches now that, um, uh, <laughs> that give you a message and people start looking at their watch is annoying because I think you're like looking at the time and you wanna leave, so be in the moment. Don't assume your solutions are their solutions. You know, really get to know that and um, this is something that I hear a lot in training. Don't rush to page 50 when the customer is on page five of the proposal. So really be aware of where they are in the process. Mm -hmm. How would you pitch your business in a few sentences? Um, we have a really quick tagline and, and that is, we shift businesses from people problems to performance results through training. What's the number one key to differentiating yourself from competitors? For us, it's the way we deliver our training. Our training is different. We niche in improv and interactive training, uh, and, and that's the niche that we go with. And I think that's been really important for us as a company to know that's our niche. We're not going to create your playbook. We're going to create your book of play. So given that you're an expert in sales improv, what is the best advice you'd like to give our listeners? Well, I like to say we should, we should um, make sales human again. So practice being human. We all have it. We're all born with it. Practice listening and truly caring to create rapport and connection. And I think I said this earlier, your clients don't want to be processed by tools in their journey. So don't be a tool. <laughs> Good. Now that is good advice. Um, that's, that's advice we all need. Um, what, what should the field salespeople listening today do as a first step to get started with spontaneous selling? I think seeking out opportunities to practice the innate skills that you already have to listen and to observe and to be a playful kid. So there are plenty of things that you can do out there. Again, of course, obviously, we talk about improv because improv is about being spontaneous in the moment. So be open to doing a different type of training than you typically do, which is training that's gonna make you a little bit uncomfortable initially, but it's gonna make you a better salesperson. All right, great advice. I'm going to uh, do my best to summarize what we've talked about today for all the people that are driving around out there. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Add a little, add a little structure here. Um, all right. So spontaneous selling, uh, as you said, is about being in the moment, uh, being in the moment in the sale 
and it's about listening and improvising. Yes. As adults, we lose the ability to be playful and spontaneous. And it's important to get away from just the transaction and instead really engage with buyers. Active listening is very important, both in improv and in sales. You can't be successful during your pitch if you don't pay attention and really listen to what your prospects are saying. Active listening will make you better connect with your prospects since it makes them feel special and lets them know that you carry, really care about their needs. Um, preparation is really important when it comes to improv uh, and sales. You, you need to do your research on a prospect and combine it with active listening so that you can really build rapport. Improv and sales can help you be ready for failure and you can also use improv to remain playful and take on any objection that comes your way or any bump in the road. As a salesperson, it's your job to guide your audience and to get the information that you need to move the deal forward. Improv can help you not be afraid of silence or awkward gaps in talking. The silence gives the buyer an opportunity to process the information so that they can move forward with making a decision. Silence will cause your audience to lean in and give you their full attention. Prospects want to make sure that they haven't missed something if, if there's silence. After, after silence, you can ask the prospect something like, oh, what are you thinking? And that can elicit objections. To overcome the fear and trepidation of going off script, you really need to practice, 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 um, and, and to get comfortable with it. Buyers can, can see and smell a script coming, and uh, the, a strategy is to connect with the prospect first, then ask, you know, ask the prospect something about them, and, and then use that what you've learned as a base for your script and, and build and work the script into that, into your pitch based on what you've already learned with your rapport building. Your script will never be the same since the buyers are never the same. It, it should be, you should be moving it around dynamically. It's, it's important to be ready to go off script to, to better communicate with the customer and, and that way you can show that you know how to solve their needs even better. So Gina, where can listeners read more about your work? How can they reach out to you? They can go to ginatremarco.com or to pivot10results.com or to carolinaimprov.com. Of course, I'm all over social media. And if they want to connect with me directly, they can email me and I'm happy to share that book of play that has several improv exercises in it that you can use um, internally with your team. And you can email me at Gina, at Gina, G-I-N-A, at pivot10results.com. Or you can call me at 843-597-6393 and I'm happy to help you with any of it. Very cool. Um, I think, I think I might, uh, I may email you for that book of play myself. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds a little bit, 
that I, 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 when you were talking, I was thinking I could really do the yes and activity with my team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to send that to you. I will awesome. just automatically do that. I appreciate that. Well, uh, this has been a, a great episode of the Outside Sales Talk. Uh, if you, if any of the listeners can think of any other sales reps that would benefit from learning about uh, about sales improv, definitely share the love and forward this to them. Take care until next time. And, and thanks so much, Gina, for being on the show. Thank you.